You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. Today at our show, I'm talking with Edward Povey. Edward, thanks so much for being with me today. Oh, a pleasure, Brainerd. I'm honored. Edward, we're going to talk about your show titled Human, and it's at Waterhouse and Dodd right now. There's links in here so people can learn more about it and hopefully attend. Um, but but to jump right into it and, yeah. and, and some of the themes, uh, human is, is of course, a, a general term, but it, it gets at something uh, that, that's uh, central to your work, right, which, which is something about what it means to be human, and, and, and we're talking about psychology and, yes. and, and emotions, aren't we? Uh, very much so. I, I have this feeling that, that, that human beings are, are just so very complex, um, and I have no message. All all I really seek to do is to convey, to try to convey all that they are. In other words, um, if you embrace someone, if you shake hands with someone even, what, what you're really shaking hands with is not just how they happen to be feeling at, at that moment, but all that they have been. In other words, like um, in a theater play, one member of the cast may be on the front of the stage talking to the audience, but, you know, just, just behind them, the entire cast is there waiting to step forward, and that's what we experience in relationships, is everything is present, but they have felt their regrets, loves, longings, ready to step forward. So, yeah, yeah, it's all of it. <laughs> and and there's you know you say there's no um, that you don't have a message. Some of these though seem um, seem quite narrative. There's there's one called cast, and in this one, very unusual image as as they all are. We see a woman sitting at a table. There are photos all, all over it, um, older black and white photos, and, um, and and it almost seems to be spilling out onto us. And the lamp above also yeah. has an unusual perspective that seems to be moving out towards us, as if the whole room is is, is tilting, is spilling towards us. Um, yes. Though, though, you, though you say there's no message, this seems, this seems quite specific. Her hand, the way they're on the floor, that there's something about the past and the future here. This painting, yes. you know, feels feels very specific, and and of course, like some of the others, yes. her skin tone, the the way her hair is so closely cropped, it seems that something is, and many of these feel this way. That something is about to happen, or that we're yes. we're, we're looking in on a window of some um, of a scene that's that's quite traumatic, really. Yeah. Um... It's it's an interesting question, this subject about them being specific, but me claiming that there's no narrative. And what it is, I think, is this, that uh, a baby can be born with a very specific kind of character and, and, you know, a specific sort of upbringing and culture and, and everything else. 
Uh, but nonetheless, when you see them walking down the street as an adult or something, I mean, there was never an explanation for them. There was nothing tattooed on their foot when they were born. So you can see an enormous mountain, astonishing, really amazing. The sun is setting behind it. But you can dig the whole thing up and there's not one word. There's no explanation whatsoever, even though it's so specific um, in character and quality. That's one thing. And then, and then I'm, I'm using what is probably a very old sort of a technique, uh, I guess. And that is that I'm trying to convince the viewer that the skin, especially in the current paintings, is extremely realistic, uh, is translucent and realistic. But of course, that is a complete lie because it's a painting that has no depth. So in order to get away with that lie, just like a second-hand car salesman, um, in order to get away with it, what I use is the sort of pre-Brunelleschi flat perspective of Giotto's altarpieces. Um, so it, it's not um, an optical truth. It is a known truth. Therefore, a round table is seen as round, just like in children's drawings, pressed up against the surface of the canvas. So in other words, what it's doing is actually being honest about the flatness of the canvas. Uh, the lamp is seen just in a perspective enough to understand what it is, and everything has its own perspective. The floor is flat in that painting cast. It's flat against the surface of the painting. So all these truths, in order to allow me to get away with a couple of very important lies, that's it really, yeah. That's so interesting. You know, it's uh, you talk about the the skin here and and, and the lie of that. Um, the skin mm. seems, you know, especially in all these recent works, seems such an important element because it's uh, it's also an element that that talks about aging, the the, the aging body, and, yeah. and, and this and in this age, twenty twenty three, where we're often using zoom and other forms and almost everything has a filter on it that changes the way our skin yeah. looks that, that that makes it look younger smoother um the opposite of what you're I trying know. to achieve so so in these works um when you talk about the lie of the skin you know you're achieving something very specific and and to me it it, mm. it seems that it's it's has age that is kind of running through this, this kind of moment of reckoning or this sense of, of suffering, really. You, you talk about a gamut of emotions yeah. when you're painting these to be human, but I see a lot of, a lot of suffering, and, and especially in the, in the skin itself. Yeah, that, that is true. It's not entirely deliberate, really, uh, it, it, the the appearance of suffering is a sort of side effect of another goal of mine, a rather unavoidable side effect. Uh, and one is that I'm very interested, I'm looking at a painting right now as we speak, I'm very interested in 
uh, the vulnerability of the humans I'm showing. That's enormously important to me because however closeted and safe a human being feels, they are so extremely vulnerable. So I like to show them with shaved heads like someone prepared for execution simply because the execution is is only ever so far away for every one of us. It's one thing we can absolutely count on, that it is walking towards us at the day of our departure. That's one thing. And the other is that, um, is that I want to show the veins and the imperfections in the skin because I want it to act like a kind of uh, physical, um, gives you a physical sense of the emotional translucency of the person. And I only use women as well because women we, we take uh, rightly so to be more open about their vulnerability. And so I only ever use female models. Yeah. Did that really answer it? I'm never entirely sure. Is there any question whether I've answered it? <laughs> yeah, no, it's never, it's, I guess no, no question is ever completely answered, but, the, but it, it goes <laughs> off into a realm that, that's important and that, and that helps, that helps me. Yeah. And I, and I, and I think listeners that there's another, another one um, with the title blesher, um, which is oh, an yes. interesting word in yes. itself. Now, now this one seems, very different than the rest in, in terms of symbolism and, and even body positioning. The hand is covering yes. the mouth. There's um, a card house that looks, of course, like it's about to fall and lemons and and a cup of coffee, an espresso that also looks like it's it's spilling and falling. Uh, this yes. this whole this whole composition seems very precarious. The the not yes. seeing the mouth makes us wonder even more what's happening here. But, but you are using symbols. Uh, am I correct that that are invoking that? That are invoking this kind of uh, fragility and precariousness that's that's beyond just what the figure is showing us. Yes, I I am really. I I think in a way, I'm rather disingenuous in in, in the fact that. Um, I, I convince myself that there is an even range of emotions, but uh, who knows? It's coming from me, and I have a specific childhood and a specific life, so yeah. But in blessure, um, French for wound or injury, and there's a bruise on her arm, um, a very kind of livid bruise, really. Um, and then... The cup of tea almost it's spilt and it's almost falling off the table um, and of course <clears throat> she's holding a fan um, the enemy of a house of cards is the fan and the lemons are so sour so it, it does it does have that leaning <clears throat> um, <clears throat> excuse me in contrast to that there's a real strictness to blessure there's a real strictness so so the arm is completely horizontal and that section of the chest neck and head 
is completely vertical given the classic sort of compositional cross. So it's very halting. I suppose in the end, it's about showing injury as a part of what we are, of what makes us, and, and not always a bad thing. I mean, whatever kind of life or childhood we've had, uh, any awful thing that's happened to us, in a way has given us a perspective that just could be an opportunity. And I feel that about my life as well, that the things that are unfortunate, I'm kind of glad for them now. I think the paintings reflect that, yeah. And and by reflecting that, you're you're talking about childhood um, upbringing, um, difficulty, suffering, death. Uh, what is it that, that that's infused in these paintings that that comes from your childhood that way? That you're that you're you're looking at um, it in a different way now, correct? Um. Yes. Uh, I don't want to sort of overplay this, but I have a very weird childhood. Uh, in that uh, I'm an only child and my father was a merchant seaman and for some reason, I never knew why, uh, he always wanted to kill me. I mean, I'm not saying in rage, it was never in rage, he was just perfectly calm and very serious about it, that it was his goal to kill me and my mother for his entire life. Um, and I literally visited him on his deathbed and said, Dad, what do you need? You know, what can I bring you? And he said, will you bring anything I want? And I said, absolutely. Tell me what you need. He was dazed from death. He said, I want bullets for my service revolver. Six bullets. And, and I said, oh, I understand, you know, why, you know, you want to get the pain over of this, you know, but why six bullets? And he said, well, you can work it out. <laughs> oh, really? I mean... So, so I had that hanging over me. I had that hanging over me for my entire life. But weirdly, I was a, a, actually a generally happy child. But it did give me a perspective. And strange to say, now I'm, I'm happy for that because of the fact that it has given me empathy. At the empathy, time, I, em, 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 empathy for what? Empathy for others' suffering, essentially? Um, empathy for others generally, certainly for their, their suffering. But because uh, uh, through that time, my life depended on knowing how my father was feeling, literally, if that's how it felt to me. Well, because of that, I became awfully good at intuiting how he was feeling and and as a result, I, I almost have a kind of, a, an example, on social media, um, I, I answer literally every person that comes out, that comes out to me and says something about the work. I, I answer every single one of them, literally. And the reason I do that is I think of them sitting somewhere in the world poised over their phone with their, with their index finger, typing something to me, taking the time out of their life to do that. And it's almost heartbreaking. It seems like a beautiful thing. 
that they are taking time for me. It's extraordinary. It's amazing, really. And I just love that. I love it. And so I'm compelled, you know, to answer every single one because that's a human being. And yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, you know. I like the way you're looking at that. You know, when when you talk about the um, childhood, and that that is quite a story. I don't think you're overplaying that, but I think that's quite a story to to share. And that that makes sense of of the kind of uh, fragility of the situation you must have always been in. The idea of 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 saying his goal is to kill you and your mother is um, is certainly one that keeps you um, not knowing what's going to happen next, whether things are going, whether the house of cards is going to fall, so to speak. But also, it yes. it it puts your your mother in a very different position. You know, as a as a son, you're um, probably to some extent want to protect your mother, although you you we can't really protect mm-hmm. our mothers and. Um, no, so, no. so I, I would think there's that too, right? I mean, in, in one way, I can, mm. I could read, I could, and this is me reading into it, but see all these, all these women in here, um, as a, a, a mother figure, that's that, that suffering, that's in this, mm. in this situation of precariousness. Is that, am I going too far out of the limb there? Well, well actually, you, you are saying something that I've never heard said before. No, no one's ever actually suggested that, and I think that might just be true that uh, that I always did have a sense of uh, helplessness in that respect. So I think that's true, and and I get um, just like in the messages I get sent, I get the most extraordinary experiences with people like the models, for example. I'm looking at a painting now called Sir Sanguine. Um, uh, and there is Farsi written in it because she's an Iranian actress. And and um, when I saw an image of her online and I said, you know, you would really... Her, at the time, her head was shaved um, for a part in a play, I suppose. Uh, and I said to her, oh, my God, you know, you would make an amazing painting because it's very hard for me to find models, actually. I see one maybe once a year or two years that I think would be right. Um, And we kept on talking for a couple of years. And eventually she said, um, I went out to her and said, I I have an idea, I think. Before I said anything more, as by way of a message or an email, she literally shaved her head again. It was now down to her shoulders. She shaved her hair off and came back and said, I'm ready and I have a photographer who can do the photography in the pose you want. I mean, it blows me away. You know, isn't that astonishing? And it is, yeah, it's amazing. I the, get the, a, the, the, I, the connection yeah. and the generosity of people, yeah. Yeah, it really is. I, I, I get a lot of that. It's really remarkable, yeah. And why do you think that is? I mean, there's there's the human quality of that, but also they've they've the models have looked at your work. They know what's coming. They know what's what's um, you know what themes are being uh, worked with here. Um, it's a it's a relationship to your work, isn't it? The the model to some degree relates to or has a relationship with your work, don't you think? I'm sure they do. 
Uh, yeah, I, I'm sure they do. And it would take a certain kind of person to want that, to appear in that way. Um, uh, but there's another factor too. Uh, when I when I pose models for the paintings, um, the idea, the sort of picture I have in my mind is so very specific that it takes forever to light them and move them down to moving fingers and, and, and adjusting bra straps and, and, and some of the positions are physically impossible. Um, so it takes several shots. But it's very, very complex to get exactly correct. But then what I do before the session, I emotionally prepare them for it. And I tell them to, to go back into their childhood and find a moment, doesn't matter whether it's positive or negative, but it has to be something where they wish it had been different in some way. It's a regret that they wish this had been different. And, and then when I'm ready to photograph you, go back to that moment, and I want you to be there. Remember the weather. Was it night or day? Was there wallpaper on the wall? You know, what were you wearing? What were they wearing? Precisely what happened. And go and walk your way through the experience and forget about me and the camera. So in other words, it's really specific up to the precise moment where I'm about to take it and they're in position and I'm ready. And at that very moment, I say, all right, go there now. And they go and their face falls away. It just collapses. And you can see that their vision is internal instead of external. They're no longer seeing the room that they're in. And every one of the models is photographed in that state. So and is it this, changes is, them is, very much. Is, is this look that, that's such a fascinating way to kind of prepare them, almost like preparing them in for, for a film, a role, a stage presence. Is this a look? It's hard for me yeah. not to not, not to go here, but is this also a look that your your mother would have or, or has had? Um, I mean, given the situation you're in, if, if you were feeling in a precarious situation, not knowing when the end could happen, I would imagine um, she would be too and, 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 and maybe following exactly the kind of directions that you give the model, um, wishing perhaps that this situation could be different. Maybe, yes. I, I mean... Uh, in physical terms, what it did to my mother, I think, was turn her into a, a very good actor and a very good pretender. So like many women from that period, actually, she, she perpetually looked like nothing could possibly be wrong. Her role was to act as if everything was perfectly normal and everything was all right. So, so in a way, the opposite from my paintings, she pretended that everything was fine and never looked internal. I think what she was looking was basically for the gun. <laughs> I mean, really, she, you know, she was very present. 
Yeah. Edward, it's it's um I really appreciate all that you've shared in this about your work and, and hope the listeners can go see this this gorgeous show. I, I wanna ask you one more question a little yes. off topic about um what you're reading. I'm always curious what, what, what people are reading. What are you reading at the moment? Um I have I've I've recently been reading John Updike and just I'm just astonished. Uh, I write, uh, I mean, fairly amateurishly, but I write. Uh, but John Updike astonishes me. I don't know how he can even begin to come up with such a present and visceral experience. So I'm reading, I've been reading couples recently um, and villages as well. But the book I keep coming back to, I've just, it's kind of under my skin, is Ordinary Heroes by Scott Turow, which just blows me away. I constantly come back to the characters in that book. It's like they're my relatives. I mean, really, I love it. <laughs> Edward, I want to thank you so much for talking with me today. I really appreciate your, your work enormously, and, and thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you, Brainerd. It's been a great pleasure. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more.